You are listening to Castles and Cryptids, where the castles are haunted and the cryptids are cryptic as fuck. And the chicks are Canadian. I'm Alana. (laughs) I'm Kelsey. And we talk a little bit about pets and then we start the show. (laughs) Yeah. Usually. After the housekeeping. (laughs) Then comes the pets. Um, We did have a mouse, but in the house. A mouse in the house. But it's gone yeah. now. I need to borrow Kelsey's in cats. <laughs> Just borrow sure Gordo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to meet Gordo tomorrow. I'm excited now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that floof. That basically tells you guys how often we physically record together or see each other. So don't judge us. <laughs> yeah, I normally come to your house. It's only... Not very often yes. you come over here. That's I have to true. clean my house now. I'm due for a visit. Oh, that's how I feel when um, it's our turn to host game night. I'm like, damn it, now I gotta clean and cook. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I have a list. It's like, put away your laundry. Dust. Right? Sweep. Sweep. Oh my God. Every week, sweep. the sweeping. It's never ending. <laughs> no. I sweep and then Gordo leaves his litter box and it's like, Psh! everywhere <laughs> of course no I'm excited to meet Gordo um yeah we do live in the same city but it can be hard to like we re- usually record on work nights and different things it's not always yeah feasible to go over to each other's houses and stuff like that but whatever we do our video sodes and we make it work People, some people yeah. record from different countries. It's amazing. I that was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're kind of like time differences. Yes, that's true. I can't even always like, I'll try and call my mom or my mom's like, I've been meaning to call you, but she's three hours ahead of us. So it's just difficult during mm-hmm. the week. Cause yeah, by the time I get done supper and stuff, she's, it's like 10, 11 there. <laughs> yeah. So. That's true. That makes it difficult. I remember on <laughs> when I listened to Wine and Crime, they used to say, was it Kenyan um, that was in South Africa? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like seven hours or something. So they'd be recording in the evening and she'd be like up <laughs> at like 3.30 in the morning being like, I'm going to take it or I'm going to go back to sleep after this before work. And it's like, I can't imagine waking up at 2 a.m. recording into like five and then going back to sleep for work true she didn't work a lot when she was there I remember she had a hard time getting a job (laughs) oh that makes more sense what happens when you have a what does she have a bachelor of farts or whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I can't say that because I don't have one I don't when you have one then you can make fun of everyone else then you're allowed yeah I don't have nothing I don't got nothing. I went to Grant McEwen, which was only upgraded, you know, a few years before I went to it from a community college to university. <laughs> oh, I never even went to any college university. I went to nothing. I went to high school and graduated and then was like, bye. We the blue collar girls. <laughs> I took a travel program. That's what I took. <laughs> well, I guess technically like the insurance courses and stuff, some of them I took, they do at yeah. McEwen. So. Yeah, it seemed like you guys had a lot of learning in the insurance department, to be fair. Yeah. 
Well, I was looking through, I don't have any, I didn't think I had anything too interesting learned on the internet this week per se. I've been too busy writing yeah. my notes. So I just have a fun fact to start us off. Um, and that is that, I don't think I've said this one before. I'm starting to mark them off. So <laughs> let me know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, blood donors in Sweden receive a text when their blood is used. <laughs> so, yeah, like after they use it, I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> um, oh, said to encourage. Be, what's that? I was gonna say that must be some crazy like system to be able to track yeah. the blood like that and be like, here's the person, the donor cell phone number, and then it gets like texted. I mean, considering the kind of things that, you know, are difficult, yeah, for <laughs> things to keep straight, hospitals to keep straight over here in Canada yeah. and stuff, that seems like difficult. I mean, they tried to roll out that vaccine passport program and, <laughs> um, but it was to encourage more young people to donate blood, it says, um, Salgrenska University Hospital in Gothenburg, Sweden, sends a text to donors when their blood has been dispensed to someone in need. A common issue with blood donation, along with other types of charitable donations, is that if a donor doesn't know the recipient, it's harder to convince them that donating is worth it. But with this system, which started in 2012, potential donors in Sweden have proof that their contribution is going to good use. So Yeah, that's nice. I know my dad used to donate blood like all the time and then when he got skin cancer he wasn't allowed to anymore and then because of the medication I'm on I'm not allowed to donate really yeah yeah my mom my mom's a donor quite a bit and I think she encouraged us to I can't really remember because you do have to be at least 18 so I don't know if I've done it a lot they definitely do have some different questionnaires have you had tattoos? Have you had sex with someone? <laughs> like yeah. homosexual sex? Have you had sex with someone from Africa? I remember like the questionnaires being real like, I don't know, because I guess they're trying to rule out for like maybe HIV or stuff like that, you know? Yeah, they try and do different <laughs> like STIs and diseases and stuff. They're trying to rule out without having to probably take the time to test every donation of blood for everything it's so weird to think yeah that like an sti can get into your blood Ooh, i don't know but yeah. it happens i mean we're, we're learning about it it's a lot more treatable now it doesn't have to be yeah know, people people are pariahs if they're hiv positive like it's nothing to be ashamed of so yeah the wonders anyway. of modern medicine. <laughs> Fun facts turned food for thought facts. <laughs> Better than some of the forensic facts I have. I've got some death facts that'll creep you out. But <laughs> we'll save those for true crime episodes. Or this is a true crime episode. No, this isn't. Save those ones for it true crime. It should episodes. have been. <laughs> yeah. That's if why I I'm confused. Shut my big yap. <laughs> Ah, um, okay. Oh, don't worry. I can. I have enough notes for this. Carry this whole episode myself. 
perfect a lot of i'm happy to just sit here and (laughs) contribute nothing other than commentary it's good i don't like to feel rushed or anything feeling like oh i have to get through my part you know because we both need time so yeah it's kind of yeah Um, so you might remember by the time we got to the last episode, I had mentioned five specific deaths in the curse that had happened. Um, because there was, there was four killed in one go in the 18, or in the 18, wait, no, I don't have that written down. (laughs) Scratch that. There was four killed at one time with the Rob when Robert Restall and his son and two of their helpers were killed. And yeah, I know I had mentioned one in the 1800s that was killed by an explosion, but I finally found the other one. There was another one killed in 1897 when a digger named Maynard Kaiser fell into a hole to his death. So that makes up the six oh, okay. deaths. And I just had to get that out of the way because I I thought I mentioned last time that I knew we were up to six, but I, I hadn't specified, you know, they're not all named with actual names, so it's hard to find. Yeah. Um, so last we had left off, we had gotten to 1965. Remember, we started in 1795. Yeah, I was going to say 1965 <laughs> is still a really long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's when a Reader's Digest article came out that many people read, including Dan Blankenship, and he would tell his wife that he would be instrumental in finding the treasure on Oak Island. Hmm. Plane or something. Or a loud lawnmower. <laughs> oh. Everybody was cutting their grass earlier when I was out. Were they? It was so hot and I was sweating like crazy. And then yeah, I was in the backyard in the backyard because it faces south. It was like right. the sun was just beating on me. <laughs> oh, and no. then I was just like, oh, and it was dying. And then the sun went behind a cloud and it like immediately. And then a breeze also came up because there wasn't much of a breeze today. <laughs> And I was like, the temperature just dropped like 15 degrees. And I was like, quick, cut as much grass as you can while the sun's out yeah. of the cloud. It's, it's pretty much the hottest it's been. Yeah. I went for my little yeah. workday walk around the parking lot area. And I was like, oh, like there's no breeze today. Where Yeah, it's feeling yeah. The, the 20 degrees. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. It's nice. All right. Okay, so Dan Blankenship read the reader's Argest. (laughs) I can't read myself. He read the reader's digest article and decided to move to Oak Island with his wife and began his quest like the countless searchers before him. And there would be he was just basically a one man operation. So he wasn't part of any of the big syndicates or groups or anything like that but yeah yeah, there would be a few more significant tries in the (laughs) I hate that in print late 1900s (laughs) it's always gross to see that written out (laughs) but yeah in 1971 a treasure hunting group called Triton Alliance Limited 
deepened the borehole known as 10X near the money pit. They lengthened it to 70 meters down and sent down an underwater camera. And some grainy photos emerged from the video camera, some shapes that seemed to strongly resemble a body and some chests, chests, sorry, or boxes. Like, hmm. I thought they saw some boxy corner looking shapes. Like you can see the video and it's like when you see a ghost video to me, I'm like, that could be a body and that could be a corner of a chest, but it's just a 1970s video care. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's probably even harder than the ones that they try and show you like that were recorded <laughs> a year ago. And you're like, oh, cool. Nice yeah, but, footage. I mean, at the time I would have been so fucking intrigued. It'd be like, I, what, yeah. is that a body? Like that's, and that was the top of the line at the time. This was in like 4K. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in 1983, Triton Alliance, that same company, sued a local man who was deep into the mystery. His name was Fred Nolan. Um, he owned seven lots on the island at the time. So he owned a lot of land there. And they contested his ownership for one thing. Okay, but they also demanded he stop blocking access to the island by blocking the causeway for another. So mm. he was literally blocking anyone from driving out onto the island, maybe? I don't know. I hadn't heard about this on the show. So I just oh. have my limited research. <laughs> I was like, oh. Um, I do know that, as I'll probably mention here, he was kind of at loggerheads with Dan Blankenship. They were kind of like rival searchers they didn't share information with each other and they you know they both wanted to find it themselves probably they weren't I think I may have heard if that's (laughs) the two that I'm thinking about I think I've heard about this before oh yeah um yeah it's definitely featured on the, the the television show okay so this court battle put a damper on any bigger group searching for a while while the costly court battle waged on Sorry, I said court battle twice. (laughs) Um, So that fateful Reader's Digest article comes out in 1965 and Dan Blankenship reads it and moves to Oak Island and essentially works as his own treasure hunting company. Sorry, I just kind of said that. Um, But he was exploring 10X and the swamp area. And so was Fred Nolan because Fred Nolan, I remember, really thought that something was in the swamp. He was like really convinced yeah that's Um, what I know about is the swamp area oh it's always been an area of interest yeah yeah and we'll we'll kind of get to it I mean we'll we'll get to it (laughs) so uh Dan met Rick and Marty Lagina that's right not Rick and Morty but Rick and Marty (laughs) I was just gonna did you say Rick and Marty I always think of Rick and Mar- Mar- Morty, even though I haven't watched it yet, but I get the gist of it and I, I probably should. It looks funny. <laughs> I think I watched, you know how you watch those clips that are people like the funniest moments and it's like a montage, but it's yeah. all out of context and you just don't get it. That's how I feel <laughs> about the show because I've watched <laughs> those videos and I'm like, maybe it's not my yeah. thing, but I feel like if I watched it from the beginning, it would be my thing. Yeah, I've seen some clips that were like, exactly I kind of laughed but again I probably didn't get the whole context yeah um and another funny thing was just the way their last name is spelled I 
remember hearing it on different podcasts and stuff like Sinisterhood and they were like kind of doing the every time I see it I want to say Legina instead of Legina Legina <laughs> which makes me think of Wine and Crime quoting the I think it's the 40 year old version when he's like oh hi Gina and they're speed dating and she's like it's pronounced Gina or something like that <laughs> I do not remember that I wouldn't if they didn't quote it on stupid podcasts so much. Um, (laughs) I only speak podcasts. No. (laughs) Okay. So for those of you that don't know, Rick and Marty Lagina are two brothers from Michigan who read the same article that Dan had, but they were young boys the time it came out. Rick was about 11 years old. I think Um, I put a picture of them as boys on the part of the drive. I think so. It's kind of cute because they're like in big galoshes or something and they just have their glasses and they really look, they've always I was looked alike. Say they're, they're in their glasses oh, and they're, they have a dog. Yeah. And, and basketball. Okay. And it's 1965. Yeah. They're dressed. It's cute. <laughs> so yeah, they were fascinated by the mystery at that age and they have always been like fascinated by searching for treasure around their house and like just digging around and I mean if I could I'd spend the rest of my life as Indiana Jones minus all the getting shot at (laughs) it always sounds good in uh in theory right (laughs) yeah I want to be Laura Croft Tomb Raider (laughs) even before travel I'm like I want to get into travel I want to travel the world and then you're like oh no you you don't get to necessarily travel the world for free <laughs> same with you yeah. with, like I didn't want to be a flight attendant because I knew that yeah you got to travel but it's still you know what I mean there's always drawbacks right you're not with your family yeah. you know stuff like that <laughs> so all grown up Marty and Rick began their journey of like acquiring the searching rights that they needed buying land on the island Um, and compiling information from all the previous investigations, really doing their research and like they wanted to talk to Dan and and Fred and everyone that had been there for uh, decades, I guess. Yeah. So Marty is the younger of the two. He's actually an engineer who owns his own energy business, which I didn't know. They don't talk about that usually on the show. But I did know he owns his own vineyard. But maybe that's just because that interests me. (laughs) Energy business doesn't. Well, that makes sense, though. He's very logical. It makes that sense to me that he's an engineer. Um, uh, You know, my my man, my spouse, my partner is a combat engineer. (laughs) My father is a civil engineer. I (laughs) I guess I tend to gravitate towards these logical people. (laughs) Yeah, engineers. (laughs) And there's so many different kinds. I don't know what. Yeah, I just said he owns his own energy business. But yeah, he's he's got money. That's for sure. Which helps because it takes a lot of money to do this. Um, Rick is the more, I would say, open-minded and sensitive of the two brothers. And he's a former postal worker, actually. Hmm. Um, and they're now uh, approximately in their 60s uh, but are more determined than ever to uncover the secrets of Oak Island they formed a close relationship with Dan Blankenship and his son Dave 
and Fred Nolan to some degree before he passed away. And of course the team there has grown over like the 10 years that they've been there, I think. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> literally my next notes. Many of you will be familiar with the History Channel show. Hi, Kelsey's dad. <laughs> yeah. I forget his Curse name. Curse of Oak Island. Me. What's that? The Curse of Oak Island. Love all it. I all um, I know about Oak Island is their like recap end of season <laughs> episodes and then with Maddie uh, probably Blake. just what they show <laughs> yeah what they show from the trailers an oh episode. yeah yeah those little teasers yeah. um also shout out to my mom's husband Claude I know he watches it as well <laughs> more so than my nice. mom does maybe she'll make him listen to this episode of ours <laughs> yeah see if he learns something new too <laughs> yeah I don't know if he listens to podcasts he watches a lot of b movies uh I'll, I'll come uh, over to their yeah. house or like yeah when we're visiting he'll be watching like Sharknado and <laughs> all yeah. these other ones I'm like all right <laughs> I mean, there's very few movies in my life that have been bad enough that I've turned them off. I know I have to finish them. I have to finish a movie once I start. And even if it ends and I'm like, well, that happened. Like, next. (laughs) I'll never get those three hours of my life back. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. People still put, like, months of time and effort into it. and Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I watched, did I tell you, I did watch the My Friend Dahmer that uh, I I had heard about it. And then when we were doing Dahmer research, I thought Ressa said she recommended it. But then when I told her I was watching it, I remember she was like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and yeah. it, it was, it was kind of long and it kind of just, it was well done. And I was, it was interesting to see the parts where they were like, let's go do a Dahmer and like encouraging him to be a weirdo yeah. at school and I was like oh yeah I remember that Kelsey talking about that yeah. but it was it, it seemed like a lot of build-up because it was it was only up until the murders and then it ended yeah you so, said Pat fell asleep right yeah yeah he did yeah <laughs> and yeah if I I think it was early in the night and I would you know if it had been later and I had a couple glasses of wine, I probably would have fell asleep too. <laughs> yeah. But it was okay. okay. Yeah. Good actors. They did a good job. Yeah. Um, so the show on the History Channel, it started in 2014 and it follows Rick and Marty and what they call the Fellowship of the Dig. Oh, <laughs> that's what they call it. <laughs> yeah. And also they call uh fans of the show or the oak island mystery acorns because acorns oak uh, oak trees acorns it's the i don't okay. know you hear it on the digging deeper episodes <laughs> i would have thought you would have called them diggers or something yeah <laughs> that's what i thought that's you were true. gonna say and then you said acorns and i was like wait what <laughs> I know it's it's kind of silly. We uh we still we could yeah, we don't really have a name for our fan base yet. Some people kind of do, like my favorite murder has murderinos and different things like that. But we yeah, 
we'll have to get somebody to think of something <laughs> yeah you guys if you come up with an episode name tell us I feel like fans should always name themselves they do a good job often our yeah. fans are pretty awesome it seems like so far <laughs> they have good taste anyway yeah. so name yourselves and we'll if it's the not only- terrible we'll go <laughs> the only thing I've called people on like social media and stuff is I'll be like hey cryptic cuties but that was all I could really think of on my own <laughs> yeah I don't know um Okay, so originally the cast members consisted of of about 10 people when the show started, and now there's 23 full-time cast members. And from what I know, they've broadened to include people like historians, archaeologists, drilling companies, heavy equipment operators. (laughs) That's the guy with his little bulldozer (laughs) backhoe thingy. Yeah. (laughs) Who just looks exactly like that, like a bulldozer operator, you know he's got the gut and everything billy gerhardt <laughs> um but yeah it includes everybody from freaking experts to heavy equipment operators to a uh, metal detecting expert and an expert blacksmith and Ooh, that'd be fun yes i love him he's cute he every time they would go to him to like get a piece dated or like get his opinion on whether like what it was what's this piece of metal like is this part is this a nail is it part of a railroad spike like what the hell is this thing he he, they get to his little blacksmith forge and he oh how are you now and oh looky here what do you got (laughs) just so utterly canadian yeah. Um, and a few of the Legina's nephews have joined the team too. So they're really expanding in the family. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You can definitely tell the ones or um when Marty's son's on there. Marty's son looks a lot like Marty. You'll be able to tell his name's Alex, I think. Yeah. And he looks oh, okay. Yeah, it's a whole family affair. <laughs> yeah. So the cool thing is some artifacts have been dated back to the 15th and 16th centuries some found deep within the ground yeah (laughs) it's pretty cool I mean one of my favorite things in life is like buried treasure I mean it's like the ultimate find that was a lot what I liked about Mr. Mercedes he doesn't necessarily find gold but he finds a bunch of well he finds money in a bunch of manuscripts which is pretty That'd valuable. Pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of their most significant finds on Oak Island is the lead cross, which you've probably seen. Um, it's extremely similar, apparently, in style to crosses associated with the Knights Templar. Sort of has like a circle or a loop on top. I should have a picture on that on the drive. I mean, it's just like a cross, but like I would say at the top of the cross, it's almost like a circular loop instead of just the normal point. I remember one of the first things I remember them finding was like wooden posts or something that had been. Yeah. And they knew because they were like vertical in the ground and they had been probably like whittled kind of thing to like a point so that they would drive into the ground yeah it's weird when they'll like be drilling 
like I don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about because they found a few different structures and things like that but they'll be drill drilling really down far on the ground and they'll pull up a sample and it'll have like wood that looks like it's been cut and you're like how the fuck did that get down there <laughs> and stuff yeah like that. it should be there now I um I re-uploaded the folder after I had added some more pictures to the Oak Island folder. Oh, okay. There's one called Lead Cross that I can see now. Oh, almost like a little wine opener. <laughs> oh, I see it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen in nature. No, that was, they um, dated it after. Um, let's see. So it's similar in style to crosses associated with the Knights Templar, um, which I, there should also be one that says um, Templar cross carvings or something. Um, did I have, yeah, because it kind of shows oh, like I on see. a wall, a pit, like a cross that kind of matched it. Templar cross carving, it's nearer to the bottom for some, oh, because yeah. they go in alphabetical order, I guess. <laughs> So yeah, I can see how it's simpler to some of the crosses depicted in the Templar yeah. like, areas. I um, mean, whenever they show like a monk or something in a movie and it's really old, the crosses look exactly like that. So Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> I relate everything to movies. That's <laughs> where all my knowledge comes from right next time you see one in a movie tell me what hell movie it's in. <laughs> i'm trying to think probably mostly in like vikings and stuff mm. and then yeah Conan barbarian no <laughs> so i think this one was found by rick and gary drayton their resident metal detecting expert who's awesome i love him i'll talk about mm. him a little bit <laughs> he's british um and then it was tested by a scientist at uh, UNB, University of New Brunswick. And then it was, which my mom went to, uh -oh, shout out. <laughs> and then it was, <laughs> I know, it's so stupid. I love seeing like that stuff on TV though. I'm like, I've been there. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, East, East Coast of Canada, we barely get any friggin' concerts that come around the whole country right if we're lucky we'll get a someone big we'll stop in Halifax and that's it so like when they show something from New Brunswick on TV I'm always like oh my god yeah it's pretty cool I know even Pat will point out like when you're watching TV or movies and stuff and they show like uh, like the UN you know it's like I don't know United Nations or something and they show all the different countries they like almost never show Canada <laughs> we're underrepresented <laughs> oh that's not good <laughs> anyway I digress so the German mining museum and the cute little German scientist that had his floppy red hair <laughs> uh determined it to be likely pre-15th century which would be pre-1400s so it's pretty old the lead yeah. cross and what was cool was they were able to basically narrow down the mining area that it came from to the south of France because of the type of lead that was in it or whatever. Wow. It's <laughs> crazy that they can do that. I'm like shocked at stuff sometimes. 
they're like oh yeah there's like two main mining areas and so it probably came from this one basically you're like okay Hmm. um but yeah that seems to line up with the templar dates and the areas which they kind of came from which is cool so we'll touch back on that when we get into theories of course Um, they have found a Spanish coin dated to the 17th century uh, that's called a Maravedi coin that was made of copper. Um, I think it's also called a Spanish eight Maravedi coin. Um, <laughs> I, was, I almost went into a rabbit hole in Spanish eight because I was like, okay, didn't I hear that on Pirates of the Caribbean with the pieces of eight? that they had to collect that the pirates were talking about i was like why does this sound familiar well from what i I can gather yeah i don't know i think there's like a silver coin that's worth eight cents or something Mm. and then there's maybe a coin like a copper coin or something that you could um break off into eight equal chunks to make change so i'm not exactly sure which one it was that's what i figured out like when I was trying to research it I'm like now I'm more confused it's one of these obviously (laughs) break off a piece of your coin to make change that's I know I think they were like facing currency yeah maybe like pre-scored like like in a pizza cut kind of pie shape or something but I think it was a a chocolate bar yeah like breaking breaking off the copper coin Um, they've also found a Spanish silver ring and gemologists determined it had been resized twice to make it smaller and then larger. Hmm. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, how they know that, I forget that. I know. <laughs> There's stress on it in this part. <laughs> so they found ship pieces like a ship brace and ship spikes and possible pieces of decking um, pulled out of the swamp. I remember seeing some of that. Don't know what all the pieces are, but suffice it to say, there's been some ship parts found in and around the swamp area. So that leads to the theory that maybe there was a swamp, uh, a ship sunk in the swamp after depositing its goods. And a lot of times they talk about people think that the swamp was actually man-made because it, it was almost like Oak Island looks like two separate islands and then like very little man- land mass in between and then a swamp area. So a lot of people thought that the swamp or think that the swamp area was man-made. And I don't know when they test it, like they end up draining it later, which we'll talk about. And then like some of the, is it geologists? Is that the right term? I guess the people that know rock and sediment and land yeah, geography and stuff said that, yeah, it does seem like it's almost newer than it should be. I don't know. I didn't write this part down because that's just what I remembered from watching the show, but the swamp is very interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's what I always heard about the show. The freaking swamp. Swamp this, it, swamp that. We'll get to it. They learned some stuff when they drained it, so we do know some well, almost everything you uncover, they'd be like, it's just more of a mystery. It's because it's so frustrating. Every clue is like, yeah, I don't know. It's so confusing and fascinating. <laughs> uh, 
something else they found on Oak Island during their searches is just the encampment of one Samuel Ball. So they found some pieces that somebody had been there, like pistol parts, coins, buttons, and other detritus. I love that word, but I don't think I've ever said it out loud <laughs> until I heard how it's pronounced. <laughs> Little bits of things. Um, so this person is significant because historians did know about Samuel Ball. He lived in the general area, um, but his story is actually kind of cool how he got there. He was a former slave, a black man, obviously, who fought for the British in the American Revolutionary War in order to gain his freedom. So they, they would offer a lot of slaves that, like, if you'll fight for the yeah. British, then as long as we win, you're free. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, as long as they, they fought for them so long or whatever, they would win their freedom. Because I was going to say, obviously, the British didn't win in the American Revolution. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> No, otherwise America wouldn't be there. But the, yeah, the name sounds familiar. Samuel Ball. They mentioned him on the show. Yeah. Anyway, that's where I heard of him from. Um, but apparently he then bought a four-acre lot on Oak Island and was often seen paying for things like everyday things with like um, I think it was silver coins. I meant to double check this, but it's silver or gold, something that people were like, oh, how did he get that? So that's kind of what raised suspicion as to like, did he find something on the island or whatever? He found all the treasure. <laughs> One man operation. Yeah. Well, he's a pretty impressive, man. You know, you go from being a slave to fighting for your freedom to buying land, being a landowner in yeah. Canada. Very accomplished. Yeah, it's a cool story. Other man-made structures have been discovered under the watchful eyes of Rick and Marty. <laughs> they have also used a coffer dam, which we mentioned in part one, which is like just a big old goes into the ground. In this case, they use metal um, to keep the ocean from coming in and drain um, Smith's Cove. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, it's like that curved kind of dam that just dams off one little area on a beach kind of thing. That's my understanding anyway. Um, but yeah, they were much more um, successful at it than the first people that did a coffer dam there. <laughs> yeah, so, just reminds me, I think I saw yeah. pictures that was from like a hundred years ago or something that they were building... It was basically how they build bridges across rivers like a hundred years ago oh. and they still do it today but it was about them like just having to dam off like part of the river but they basically did it only oh. in the spots where they had to put the support pillars so it was just like boop right. little pocket where it's bone dry and they're like surrounded by like 30 foot tall water Holy. And then there's like water, 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 water. And then there's another boop area where it's like bone dry because that's where they're building the pillars so that they can put the thing across. Oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy. Do you think that that's how they had to do it with the Confederation Bridge? Now I want to ask my dad when they had to shove the a bridge abutments into the ocean. Probably, I mean, yeah. Yeah, here they're, they're pushing back the ocean on Oak Island too. I mean, it's shallower because it's in a beach area, but like, it's, holy shit, that's so crazy what we can do with 
a little bit of metal and whatnot yeah because they like build it and then they pump all the water out and then it's like bone dry land in the middle of like a, an ocean and you're like oh my god so fucking weird <laughs> yeah it's crazy would not, i would not want to be working in that little bubble of air <laughs> dry land no <laughs> um so okay once they used the coffer dam to drain smith's cove they uncovered a u-shaped structure made of large beams of wood and some of them were marked with roman numerals so these also were ones that were definitely cut wooden beams and like you know mm. didn't belong there under under a bunch of water and obviously with roman numerals carved into them okay uh, that might be the ones i've heard about then yeah maybe i just don't know because they well they've never really been able to determine their exact use (laughs) they're like they're here we just don't know if they were supposed to like to hold back some of the ocean or like they don't know what they were their exact use was unlike the box drains which were pretty obviously used to flood the tunnel if you tried to dig into the money pit like the last one but this is in the same area. They find a bunch of U-shaped structures. So obviously it's meant to do something. <laughs> Hit my mic. Um, and one of my favorite cast members we mentioned is Gary Drayton. He's their metal detecting expert, a British expat. Uh, oh, and metal detector extraordinaire, actually, I said. <laughs> extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. <laughs> He's my favorite comic relief (laughs) as he's always searching for and finding Bobby Dazzlers. And if something is really good, he declares it a top pocket find that stays in there. (laughs) Wow. Almost that like Cockney accent. He's like, oh, that's right. The Bobby Dazzler. (laughs) It's a top pocket find. Also, he used to have a mullet back in the day. I follow him on Instagram. He's just the funnest character. <laughs> oh my gosh. And yes, I do mean character, even though he's a real person. <laughs> and he's actually a pretty good treasure hunter. He has found many treasures on the beaches of Florida where he now lives. He did start out in his home in the UK and spent years as a bottle digger, which was meant pawing through Victorian quote, rubbish pits and searching riverbanks for old bottles, clay pipes, doll heads, and marbles. Why? I think because they're just the valuable ones, just antiques and stuff. Doll heads. So creepy. I know. This is the quote I got, and I didn't have time to look further. I was like, okay, that's where he got his start. And marbles. I can't see them being worth a lot. No. Uh, He's a trash picker. (laughs) But he once found a 300-year-old emerald treasure ring worth $500,000. You know, just a cool half mil. And he himself is worth about $2.5 million total now. So I was surprised to learn that. I mean, maybe I should buy a metal detector and start scoping out beaches. Right? (laughs) All we ever picked up is sea glass. (laughs) Yeah. 
So there were some uh, natural deaths during Rick and Marty's era on the island. So not directly while searching, but Dan Blankenship died in 2019 of natural causes. I mean, he was like 90 some. It's to be expected, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And love his son Dave who still appears in the show he is always swearing like a sailor so he's one of my favorites <laughs> but he's not on a lot anymore um and then Fred Nolan who we mentioned his rival searcher like for many years before they kind of buried the hatchet at Rick's request and started to share information like he died I think also. I saw that episode for like yeah yeah that was I like feel one like of the they few did it for a few, I saw. a few episodes they might have like highlighted it because like those men did not share information for years and like rick is like this people person who's just emotionally in touch and he's like just bury you know we all want to solve it like i don't know he's just like he just like carries the team with his like hope and his like yeah. spirit I don't know. I love Rick. <laughs> um, yeah, Fred Nolan, he's now dead, but he was invested in the swamp. Um, and then also Zena Halpern died. She was friend and author of the Templar mission to Oak Island and beyond. So big, big believer in the Templar connection. Um and then Joyce McGinnis, she was a descendant of Daniel McGinnis and appeared on the show. And finally, Drake Tester, young son of cast member Craig Tester and stepbrother to cast member Jack Bagley. He like died of a rare disease or something, like quite young. It was, that one was really unfortunate. I, he can't have been more than 20. And he was on oh, the wow. first few seasons. Yeah um really sad but like again it's like your dad says they didn't die like directly you know what I mean like searching yeah. so I don't know if the curse counts that I don't think so <laughs> all right well welcome back to you know where you are castles and cryptids <laughs> yeah, part four Part four. Part four. Teen teen. teen. That's from Group X. They're hilarious. I just have to say. Oh, I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Just a funny comedy group. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> they have some funny songs about Mario and luigi and you ask them if they want ice cream they both say yes because they are twins <laughs> time to save the princess very silly <laughs> sounds great <laughs> oh i know my sister she got me into them they're funny um okay do you remember ta us talking about the 90-foot stone, so-called 90-foot yeah. stone? Yes, because they found it about 90 foot down, 90 feet down. Supposedly, we don't know where it is today, is the big thing. Oh. Uh, 
yeah, it was apparently really big and with a bunch of symbols on it. And this is kind of what we know or guess has happened to it, which is pretty crazy, actually. I didn't learn a lot of this from the show. It was like, I maybe heard some of it on other podcasts and was like, what the hell? You'd think that would treat that shit with some respect. <laughs> um, no original rubbings of the stone's symbols actually exist today. And the stone itself has been lost for many years. It was actually last seen in the window of a Halifax merchant on display to help attract customers. Oh my God. And then it was, so it's not there anymore. No, no one knows where it is. Um, we know some of its history because um, once they found it, you know, 90 feet down-ish in the pit, then um, it was reported in 1862 as having been used in the chimney of an old house near the money pit. <laughs> and then an article Jesus. printed the next year said that it was with the Smith family. Um, uh, Smith, one of the original people that joined up with Daniel McGuinness or whatever. Oh yeah, John Smith. How can I forget his name? <laughs> Yeah, so it was in their chimney for a bit, and then they enclosed the chimney in wood and built a staircase around it, as you do. <laughs> then in 1865, the stone made its way to Halifax, where it apparently or, or purportedly ended up used at Creighton's Book Bindery as a bookbinding stone. So I don't know, they're like bashing leather and shit and books onto it, if this is true. Hi, Gordo. Now I have a Gordo. She has a Gordo. I love that it's called Creighton's Book Bindery. My mom had a friend named Creighton growing up. I remember he used to be like, oh, I can't smoke around your kid because she's got asthma. And then I grew up and smoked and he was like, what the hell? <laughs> but also his like, ex-wife's husband's brother's sister's mother's friend you know was in the band trooper so then i ended up getting to go backstage with trooper and they sang like raise a little hell and we're here for a good yeah. time not a long time and it was really effing fun <laughs> that's cool yep. hi gordo gordo's <laughs> tail is smacking the mic head on I saw it on the feed <laughs> stop it lay down there you go it's chaos ladies and gentlemen <laughs> um some people think it was that's what wore off the symbols of the stone and made it smooth again and other people argue that it's not the same stone at all that was in the book bindery so more of a mystery of course um Rumor has it that it ended up at a bookstore a generation later after being abandoned along with the bookbinding business. At one point, I thought I had heard that it was being used as a doorstop, but I can't confirm that. I literally can't remember where I heard that and I didn't see it anywhere else. <laughs> it's just like insult to injury, right? Yeah, just the sheer like <laughs> carelessness of everybody that had contact with it it seems the audacity <laughs> the audacity <laughs> um 
So there is a document called La Formule that's been associated with the stone because it featured the same symbols um, as on the stone. That should have a picture on the drive entitled La Formule. <laughs> this was owned by the McGinnis family. So like, you know, Daniel McGinnis was the first one to find the <laughs> the money pit when he just found a depression and said, I'll start digging. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm glad he did. <laughs> um, so this was owned by the McGinnis family and it's comprised of several paragraphs thereabouts, I would say. And it uses a superset of symbols. So I guess that would mean it has the complete set of codes that the stone does. I don't know what a superset of symbols mean, but like it's much longer than the inscription on the 90 foot stone. So I, I guess, I guess I would say it just means it uses all of the symbols. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Best as I can make out. And at this point, I wasn't going to delve deeper into almost anything for clarification because of the length of these notes. <laughs> it's so fun, though. Okay, this was fun. Uh, so we have the most purported meaning of the 90 foot stone translation, which is 40 feet below um, 90 million pounds are buried or something like that. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, it's a cryptogram, so other people have other interpretations. A gentleman writes on scottwaltersanswers.com slash blogspot. Oh, what was this? oh, another possible translation, albeit not a perfect one. Um, he had to add a few letters where it looked like it was cut off. Also, it was in French. That's okay, because a lot of the theories have to do with French. Anyway, look at this. <laughs> and there's a map that also, oh, I'll get to it. It's unfolding. I'm impatient, that's my fault. Okay, so this is the alternate translation of the 90 foot stone. Uh, the French, la formule, halt ne terre pas creuser uh, 40 pieds avec, oh, no, I can't read that off that. It's all black and white. That's hard. <laughs> Copy and paste it. Okay, hang on. I have the English right after. Halt. N'terre pas cruze à 40 pieds avec un angle 40 5 degrés la hampe à 522 pieds avant entre lec? Question mark, question mark. Redor à un mille soixante cinq pieds attend la chambre. Or in English, based on that specific French of the day, <laughs> even the spelling was not French I was used to. Um, halt, do not burrow, dig at 40 feet with an angle 45 degrees, the shaft at 520 feet as you enter, question mark, question mark, 1065 feet, reach the, the chamber, the chamber. <laughs> going back in English to French. <laughs> so question so mark like denoting directions. Where, yeah, it seems very spe more specific directions than the original translation. I don't know, it seems longer too. And then the question marks where there was a few parts where they had to put in a few letters because it didn't 
quite seem to have everything. So again, it's just making shit up. <laughs> well, I feel like they're both translations are questionable. Yeah. This one almost seems more complete. Although again, it was on like one source, like I said, but it's interesting how it gave a more specific direction into getting in there. Cause it was like 40 feet below $2 million. Well, that's not very helpful for navigating the flood tunnels. Like, <laughs> yeah, actually tell them anything. Whereas this one was a lot more, while still cryptic, like this degree, that degree and whatnot. Yeah, this many feet. <laughs> um, and a bit of a phrase was at the bottom of this document that said, in French, la valeur, or 20, the value. So again, it was kind of broken off, but there was like a space, 20, space, the value. So 20,000, like, I don't know, could have been anything. $20 trillion. <laughs> like, especially if it's what some of these theories uh, think that it is. Ugh. Oh, so much. Okay, so speaking of stones, there's one more major discovery we have to talk about before we kind of get into the theories. Um, this would be the stone road wharf. Sorry, for lack of a Is he? He's so cute right now. Doing little boy. I think Gordo is a disbeliever. Anytime I try to get talking about anything, Gordo's like. He just wants attention because he misses me. Oh, totally. I can see that. <laughs> he keeps like reaching out his foot like that. <laughs> I know when I heard. <clears throat> what did I hear? That cats are attracted to people working too? <laughs> yeah, they like to copy people. Oh, so they say one of the best things you can do is if you have a like your desk and you want a cat to stop bugging you is to just put a box like on your desk oh. like by you and then the cat will just go in the box and just oh. be happy in the box yeah because they like boxes and they just want to be near you it's pretty Wait, cute. is that a thing too where people made a box like a two-dimensional box out of tape or something on the ground for cats is that something i saw on tiktok I can't remember that. Oh, they would probably sit in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're just like so attracted to anything that's like box shaped, whether it's like your, or even if it's just like your laundry hamper, they just like want to be in curled It's up a safety ball. thing because then they feel like they don't yeah. have to guard all, all the way around them. But my favorite thing ever is Kitty used <laughs> to lay on the floor um, and he'd be there for like quite a while. <laughs> when I was really little, I used to make card like card houses and I'd surround him by all these card houses <laughs> and then I'd get his attention and basically just make him destroy them <laughs> so I'd be like this one this one and he'd reach his paw out and go and it would like he'd smack it and it would fall apart and then he'd be like okay this one attack this one I can't fall. believe he stayed long enough for you to make stuff yeah. around him <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny yeah I used to surround him kind of like a a, a ring like around him and he'd just be watching me for like 10 minutes being like what is she doing my barbies and we had a few that were pocahontas barbies and different ones they had a lot of tornadoes in their house once we got a house set that had a fridge and stuff because then once everything would be destroyed then i could set it all up again and i like that <laughs> that was my favorite thing 
I... makes us sound like Monica on Friends. We just want to set all this stuff up again in an orderly fashion. <laughs> yeah. It's it like that's fun. the only way I know how to play Sims was like <laughs> re-demoing and re- completely redesigning their house five times a day. No, you're like, I have to play this game that's an outlet from real life by acting like it's exactly real life and trying the best I can. That's what I always do. I'm like, she's going to be the best. Then she's Yo, like I was... pregnant from an illegitimate father and he was like, fucks off on her. And she's like, I want to be a scientist, but I can't afford it. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I was the one using cheat codes because I'd run out of money and then I'd, I was getting rid of ladders and swimming pools so they drowned. No, that's putting the hundred psychopath like, move, Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, putting like a hundred and fifty fish tanks in their house and making them feed all the fish. We didn't even have Sims when I was growing up. We had to go on Joe Cartoon, and then you could see a frog in a blender or whatever the fuck your sick art desired. Oh yeah. no! All right, and now for something completely different. <laughs> Okay, the Stone Road was something they uncovered when they drained the swamp. Because they just have the technology to do this shit nowadays that they couldn't do back then. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and also the excavation of this site and other sites that had Micmac artifacts found have led to new regulations from what they call the Department of Communities, Culture, and Heritage. Um, stipulating that all historic site digs must be supervised by an archaeologist. The official. Yeah. The biggest difference I remember from watching the show was that even Gary Drayton wasn't allowed to just go along and metal detect anywhere. They, like, archaeologists and their helpers had to, like, the junior archaeologists or whatever, had to, like, go out and scout the land first. Cause like they kept like they were finding significant artifacts from the native tribes, but like I don't know. And then they're like, okay, well we're allowed. To, then they would mark the sites that Gary Drayton and the metal detector friends were allowed to to dig, and they had to be like pre, um, you know, pre okayed. <laughs> yeah, I think I heard about that. Was that fairly recently? I remember hearing about yeah. this. Within the last two years, they've found just enough significant things that were historic that um, made these departments of culture and communities have to like be like, okay, we have to make sure we preserve anything that's like really significant, which is cool. But it was also frustrating for the whole team. (laughs) Yeah. They almost had their hands tied in a way. They're like, but we want to be treasure hunters. And this person's like, <laughs> fill out this paperwork. They're like, yeah, you are. And now you're finding things that historians are interested in. So <laughs> let us in. <laughs> yeah, I think it's cool. Um, oh, and yeah, their resident original um, historian archaeologist Laird Niven is just cock of the walk now because he does get to <laughs> prove that stuff but he's nice I, I like him um the the stone walkway or road that they found has been compared to very similar road construction from areas like Portugal from the 1500s 
and it seems to extend all the way to the money pit. So this is what they found under the swamp. And they first thought it was a ship under the swamp because it looked like, oh, there's this 200 foot long anomaly or whatever. And then they uncovered and then it seems like it's this man-made weird stone walkway or road they first thought was, it must be a a wharf because they really had this ship thing in mind. But then having... I remember they were like talking to people from Portugal and stuff like that and being like, this is similar to stone roads they had constructed in the 1500s. Just a bunch of like little pebbles and then like, you know, stuff to go in between them, like sand and clay and whatever. And then like more pebbles, just like this weird, you know, it's obviously not a paved road, but like, it looks like something specifically made. Because otherwise it just, yeah they've been excavating it it's like yeah that's a very distinctive like path of rocks that you see going on this whole direction and like crazy that's the biggest one I think they've really found it's literally big (laughs) but I don't know at first it's hard to see and then you're like yeah that's actually like looks very (laughs) man-made so it's pretty yeah yeah I like it (laughs) Um, and because they think they haven't finished excavating it but because it extends toward the money pit area they think it was probably used to export whatever the goods were from a ship in the swamp area possibly before it was a swamp but when it was still ocean you know bay and then they like took the goods and whatever and made this little road to make it easier to transport all these goods to the money pit area. So they figure that's why it's got mm. such a good road, which is cool. That makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Hopefully it leads all the way there. And it's worth noting that ships have been coming near the island area for centuries as early as 1398. <laughs> Um, the possibility that a prince sailed by does exist. There was a prince, Henry Sinclair, who was near the island after sailing across the Atlantic from the Orkneys, which are in Scotland, um, which Templar connection here possibly we'll, we'll get to. Um, and this prince may have inspired the Glooscap legend that is told by the Micmac Maliseet Passamaquoddy, Penobscot, and Abenaki tribes. Those are the East Coast um, indigenous, the ones oh, okay. in the Maritimes. Yeah. Okay, I've had fr- um, friends and ex boyfriends that were in the Maliseet. <laughs> you know, you get all the different ones Mohawk, Cree, whatever. But um, yeah, this was weird. I didn't know this. So, this prince sailing here might have inspired the tale of Glooscap, which is a big tale in the maritimes of like the glue cap made the world habitable for humans by creating landforms and giving animals their attributes also eliminating monsters basically making the whole maritimes inhabitable loose caps oh. he's real big there and the, if you have to get back to yeah legends or lore of which canada we don't have a lot <laughs> yeah but um yeah and in the 1500s which i think we got to there was a portuguese explorer that stopped near oak island named Jao alvarez fagudes and he may have established a colony in cape breton 
the northern island of um, Nova Scotia. <laughs> if you think Nova Scotia looks like a lady in her dress with the bonnet, then it's her head with the bonnet. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've seen that before. I always think she looks more like a lady in a dress and a bonnet than people are like, oh yeah, it looks like a lobster. I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Lobsters have two anyway. Um, <laughs> and bu- 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 Portuguese explore, explorer Fagudes. In, in 1604, the first settlement at Port Royal by de Monts and Champlain was established and in 1632 a place called Le Havre is settled and a Fort Saint Marie de Grace built. Le Havre was reportedly used as a pirate haven for about 20 years. Pirate connections from Canada that I didn't know about. (laughs) And also when they said Port Port Royal I got confused because there's also one in Jamaica which will come up later so like Man, I wish they could just name things different names so you wouldn't get so confused. (laughs) But um, in 1717, the Lewisburg Fortress construction began. And this still stands today in Nova Scotia, the the Fortress of Lewisburg. You can go there and like see the old cannons and, you know, just like other historical settlements you can go to. Yeah. Like here in Alberta. I think Um, we did that in Cuba. We went to like oh, one of their armory cool. kind of things. Yeah, I do like that stuff. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's there's one in Halifax that I know we've been to, and you're like, that's the kind of thing I can handle. We're like, oh, it's all covered in grass now, and but things were fought here. But then, like, I go to a museum where they like recreate a war foxhole, like with the whole the noises of like people shooting above you and then like the sandbags and stuff and we had to walk you have to walk through it like for this tiny bit in this museum we had in Fredericton I was like I hate it I hate it it's scary (laughs) I I wouldn't like that either I don't think no that's too much of a recreation for me (laughs) maybe I died in the war I don't know I used to be like fascinated by reading world war ii books but I also am terrified by it (laughs) yeah hard to say um by 1749 halifax is founded pretty cool and it's 1754 mahone bay is settled and inhabited and that is right across from oak island so now we got people in the area by like 1750 ish oh okay and then 1795 the money pit is discovered which brings us up to the theories yay Pirates was the number one theory they had listed on the official Oak Island website. Which I can see that. I can and I can't because it's so elaborate. The whole hiding thing. I don't know. Not that I think they're stupid, but I don't know. I don't know. I I just can't wait to find out if we do find out who it is, I guess. So, okay, so what points to this is um, a powerful and wealthy pirate named Peter Easton based himself in Newfoundland, um, it, which is quite close to Nova Scotia. They're all in the Maritimes for, um, you know, you know, I'm Canadians. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he sailed down the Atlantic coast and into the West Indies 
swashbuckling all the way. So they like all went down the coast, down through the States, Florida, whatever, the Caribbean. And that's, that's how they all seem to go. <laughs> and Captain Kidd, quote, spent several years pirating the East Indies and the Indian and China seas. Heading back to the West Indies laden with treasure, he supposedly steered his ship north before returning to port in Boston, which would ultimately lead to his death in 1701. Kidd's time spent in the north prior to his arrest in Boston left him ample time to conceal his treasure in the money pit. It's, I don't know, I don't know. Um, also rumor had it that one more than or that more than one group of pirates may have used Oak Island as a communal pirate bank, quote unquote. Those with headquarters in Port Royal, Jamaica, like Sir Henry Morgan, Jean Lavasseur, and Bartholomew Sharp are believed to have used the sheltered island as a cache. And oh, okay. Yeah, I can't imagine just theory. one person doing this. No, exactly. Yeah, maybe if the pirates teamed up, I could see that. Yeah, definitely a group effort. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's taking teams of people to try and recover it. This one I wasn't as familiar with. Uh, number two, the looting of Panama theory. So in 1671, Captain Henry Morgan looted and burned Panama City after capturing, um, quote, neighboring villages over a three-year period, end quote, he attacked Panama City. Morgan's men managed to win despite their being outnumbered and spent weeks plundering and terrorizing. After taking loot back to their home base, their captured village of Chagre, which they kept trying to autocorrect me every time I wrote that to oh, charge. It's like me every time I stupid word online does not understand i live in canada and does not like o-u-r oh my god that's how i spell neighbor and color yes yeah and everything shows up the line and no matter how many times i click freaking ignore (laughs) it never seems to get with it i know and other times we get lumped in with britain when we get i don't know prints of books and stuff and they're like yeah sure get the British edition because you're Canada. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, 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 after taking loot back to their home base, the village of Chagre. But when the village of Chagre wouldn't pay him ransom money, he instructed his men to demolish it. When they were doing that to the village, he sailed away, leaving his men behind. He headed north and didn't return until he had apparently jettisoned his cargo. He became governor of Jamaica and lived out his years there as a wealthy man. There you go. And that was uh, Oh yeah, Captain Henry Morgan, which kept making me think of Dexter. Oh, I just think Captain Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, kid is Captain Morgan, literally. Captain Morgan. Wait, they had a commercial. Captain, Captain, Captain. It was so stupid. That's literally all it was. But no, um, I think Dexter's dad is Hen- Henry Morgan or Harry or yeah. It's so I think similar. It's Harry. Harry. 
Anyway. Oh yeah. I was listening to something earlier and they were like, and his name was Harry Sword. And by the way, that's just gotta be the best name. And I was like, oh my God, Harry Sword. (laughs) That's a terrible name. (laughs) Also, I listened to way too many true crime during podcasts because I heard one true crime case and then I heard the same one again on a different like podcast in the same week and I was like oh where did I hear this before it sounds familiar other than this one point which they told a little bit differently with some more detail and then could not figure out what was the first place I heard it I'm like wow I (laughs) yeah it's crazy sometimes a bunch of people cover the same thing somebody covered the Dirk penguin story I think I told you that Dirk the penguin well yes I think a guest host covered it on seriously sinister which was actually the one where we featured their promo because we were doing petty crimes and they're a petty crimes (laughs) podcast and it was like I've been meaning to cover that for a while (laughs) it's a great great. story (laughs) Dirk peaches I was gonna say he gets chased into the water by a dog and then gets chased out of the water by a shark for a dirk oh i forgot about that that's what i always think survivor kidnapped by drunks shoved in a bathtub tried to be fed food left at the beach chased by a dog chased by a shark and then rescued just your average weekend at SeaWorld. <laughs> uh, poor Dirk. He had like the worst 24 hours. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Um, okay. Theory number three is manuscripts of Francis Bacon, English philosopher. Not to be confused with his cousin, Kevin. Yeah. I can't. Every hear- time. <laughs> What? The last name Bacon. <laughs> but I can't hear Kevin Bacon or anything relating without being like, you don't go see a Kevin hot dog movie because that was what Jim Gaffigan said, that comedian in his one stand up. Everyone loves Bacon. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. No one going to see a Kevin hot dog movie. <laughs> and just other things like Bibbity Bobbity bacon like transforms a salad you know (laughs) he's great i love him um oh where are we here baconians as his devotees are known point to his love of ciphers and codes as a clue and many believe he is the real author behind william shakespeare's famous works so have you heard the conspiracy theory that william shakespeare didn't write all the plays and stuff yeah yeah me too so this kind of stems into that i guess because some think that it was francis bacon or maybe a team i don't know yeah i had heard that it was like a bunch of people that like took yes. that moniker i think i have too um because there definitely was weird secret societies back then <laughs> yeah um but yeah, it's a big conspiracy theory that Shakespeare was like a pen name for someone or someone's. And apparently the original original manuscripts of Shakespeare's plays and such have never been found. And so are thought to maybe be part of the Oak Island treasure. Ooh, that'd be pretty cool. 
Well, and I don't know, this obviously isn't a big clue, but remember somebody brought up a piece of like parchment or whatever with some writing on it. So there was some sort of maybe a book yeah. or whatever down there. I like Shakespeare. The favorite thing oh, ever yeah. that somebody told me, I think it was one of my teachers in high school, was like everybody acts like Shakespeare is some like for or for like rich snooty people, but it's got like the most like in your face <laughs> about like just raunchy like sure stuff and then like but... murder and just making fun of people and for like the times what they were reading right. on stage was like really improper like, yeah nowadays we're like oh no we've heard way worse but like yeah, yeah I feel like I've heard that too where it was like oh no that was pretty fucking risque and that's yeah I that's think it's like exciting. Hamlet which is like my favorite um opens oh, with yes. the two grave diggers basically they're they're basically talking about sex or something to do with it it already sounds like Monty Python <laughs> yeah and it's like two grave diggers and they're like, yeah, I can't remember what exactly the scene is, but that's how the play opens. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, totally, totally. My, my favorite insult ever is your, your something about a fishmonger. Your mom was a fishmonger. <laughs> oh, I love the Monty Python. Your, it's something like your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Yes. Fart in your general direction. <laughs> that's great <laughs> I loved re reading Shakespeare other than Romeo and Juliet all of the plays mm. were my favorite <laughs> they're great totally yeah school can kind of leech the fun out of things if you have to study it but then there's some yeah. teachers and people that can make it fun and make you see like see it what for what it is that's cool. yeah <laughs> Stephen King was an English teacher after all <laughs> oh, okay he's like right he's teaching you how to appreciate english like who knows all the authors usually really appreciate the written word <laughs> yeah hopefully all authors do <laughs> yeah um so francis bacon was also known for his contributions to the scientific method and has been quoted as saying that he would be known for who he really is long after his death. Dun, dun, dun. Could mean anything. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> who he really is. Okay. I know. Maybe he was gay. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but also Bacon experimented with, quote, preserving documents in mercury, and quote, which lines up with a quote cache of empty flasks with traces of mercury discovered during early searches on oak island i don't know mm. he was Weird. also get this an initiate of the templars so he was like you know yeah a, a fledgling an initiative what is it what is that what they call it when they try and get in, in the motorcycle clubs too <laughs> no i'm thinking of sons of anarchy <laughs> I don't know. It's an apprentice. No, it's probably an initiate. Initiate. Um, <laughs> okay, and finally, it's a bit of an odd coincidence that uh, Francis Bacon's servant, a Mr. Thomas Bushel, 
was known to have successfully recovered a number of flooded mines with the assistance of his Cornish miners. So I guess he knew it was way around a mine or an underground tunnel, maybe. Hmm. And he also established a royal mint in Wales and went into hiding after surrendering the island of Lundy in 1647 and resurfaced in 1652. So they figure, I don't know, that kind of lines up to me with if he knows his way around some coins and some underground things and yeah it's a few it's a hundred years or so before it's discovered i can see it okay this next one has to be my favorite though the knights templar yeah we are the knights who say me 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 no that's much by love um they are from knights templar from 1129 to 1312 um what is it we say now not not BC, whatever, a long time ago. <laughs> but oh, yeah, I something CE and like common era, something like that. Yeah. I it don't understand. Um, but yeah, they're from like the 1100s to 1300s, and they were a, an order of skilled fighters and Christian crusaders that were forced into exile after King Philip of France arrested the key Templar leaders because he owed them a ton of money. So that's great. Um, He sounds awesome. And the arrest order actually came on Friday the 13th of October, 1307, which is why it's one of the theories as to why Friday the 13th is unlucky. I don't know if you ever heard oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just because it happened to happen on the Friday the 13th in the year 1307. One time. That's <laughs> all it took for Friday the 13th to go bad. I know. There's a few theories on it. People don't actually really know exactly when it became unlucky. <laughs> but on November 22nd, the Pope issued a decree that all Templar be arrested. So the story goes that they fled to Scotland. They took their priceless possessions and all their booty with them, um, including probably the Holy Grail from their fortress of Mons Agur. And some people have said the Ark of the Covenant, Covenant could be part of their possessions also. Just casual. They just have the Ark of the Covenant, you know. <laughs> Um, interestingly, the Templars order continued in Portugal as the Ordem Militar de Cristo because the Portuguese king, Denis I, refused to follow the Pope's order and just change the Templars' name. <laughs> he wouldn't exile them. He's like, I'll just change the name and then you can't do anything. <laughs> also, whenever someone spells Denis with one N... I'm like, that looks like it should say Denis or penis. <laughs> Just my thoughts. Okay, now we're on to theory number five, which is a Lewisburg pay ship. Had not heard of this one. The Lewisburg fortress was built during the portrait, the portrait, 
the period of 1720 to 1740. I think I've probably been here. I've definitely heard of it, the Fortress of Lewisburg. It might be on Cape Breton Island. I can't remember if I've been here. Um, I know I've been to the one in Halifax, but that's the Citadel. They definitely have some old fortresses, that's for sure, in Nova Scotia. <laughs> um, this one was designed to retain control of French Canada to the north. So the Royal Treasury of France would send ships to bring goods and wealth to pay the workers constructing the French stronghold. Because, you know, <laughs> it was a lot about the English and the French here, too. We were yeah. like, oh, yeah. Even if you guys aren't going to revolt and be like the Americans, it's like, no, no. We want the English to have a part and the French wanted them a part. And basically in Canada, we're almost still fighting. <laughs> Yeah, they always the do their um, votes to see if they want to separate every few years. And it's yeah. like 52% in favor of staying like every year. The French identity remains strong. <laughs> yeah. um, otherwise, I've been told that we're not so much like a melting pot like America, but some say it's more like like a stew or something where you're like you can come here but just like keep your culture you're you're fine <laughs> we don't want to strip it away yeah from you. <laughs> yeah there's pockets of like everything everywhere oh totally it's yeah it's, it's beautiful <laughs> we're a chunky beef stew <laughs> yeah we're a medley <laughs> we're not uh, like uh what would it be like I don't know, a butternut squash, like puree soup. We are a hearty <laughs> stew. <laughs> right? Something that's just all boiled down beyond recognition. <laughs> yeah. I should know. I watch all the cooking shows. <laughs> all right, a couple more theories, that's all. So storms being common in the Atlantic, uh, they could have forced the pay ships off course, wrecked them, etc., and tons of shipwrecks apparently occur along Canadian canosts, coasts. <laughs> well, I remember somebody covering something recently and then showing like, the shipwrecks on the west coast along like um, uh, Vancouver Island and kind of in that area. Like, holy shit, a lot of ships have just like bashed into that. And like, oh, okay. I mean, people wash up in the Atlantic too right like there's the Halifax cemetery that has like Titanic graves because that was the destination of the ship if it ever had a got there and stuff like that it's on the other side yeah it's crazy um so perhaps a stranded crew was persuaded to stash their treasure somewhere or were boarded by pirates and plundered for all their booty and apparently they mentioned this on the history show one such ship was sent in 1746 by the duke donville apparently also to capture and retake lewisburg <laughs> so maybe they were like go pretend to pay the workers but actually take it back <laughs> this whole fortress um, the treasure and goods from this ship was lost and never found. Da, da, da. And the next theory is William Phipps and the Concepcion. 
So lots of Spanish ships came to the New World, sailing down to South America and up the coast, then back to Spain with their riches. And they often started in the Caribbean and pilfered Aztec, sorry, Aztec and Inca gold along their way. And Vikings weren't the only one to go a raiding, I said. <laughs> I mean, so many would never return home or even reach their intended destination, either, quote, sunk upon reefs or during ferocious storms. On October 31st, 1641, the Spanish galleon Concepcion struck a reef just off the Bahamas and dumped its cargo inadvertently into the shallow waters. And William Phipps was granted the rights to recover the treasure by the King of England. He left in 1685 and returned in 1687 with over 68,000 pounds of silver. He was made a knight and went back again to seek more treasure. He reported little gold or silver this second trip, but what if he did find more gold or whatever and didn't bring it back to England? He had all the time and the resources. And also people note that in 1690, he happened to be attacking the Port Royal and Quebec area so that he, he definitely was familiar with Canada. Oh, okay. yeah interesting We're getting down to the lower um theories so, so I, I find they almost make less and less sense so we'll see <laughs> but um another theory is that it's the crown jewels of france and if you remember fdr or franklin 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 delano roosevelt the 32nd president of the United States and the former searcher on Oak Island believed um, that the chamber on Oak Island held the crown jewels of France. So I mentioned that he was part of a search effort earlier. We didn't know that he had this theory. Yeah, I found it out by doing this research actually. Um, but the theory does go that they were hidden there after Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette fled Paris in 1791, taking their personal gems and the crown jewels with them. So although they were captured at a place called Varennes without the jewels on them, people figured they could have left them in the care of maybe like a lady in waiting, you know, sort of a handmaid who may have secreted them away. But the timeline you might notice is tight for this because if they fled in 1971 and the money pit was discovered in, God damn it. If they fled in 1791 and the oh. money pit was discovered in 1795. Yeah. It's tight. It seems very elaborate, even for that. Even for Marie Antoinette, it's very I know. I almost more believe there was a, a, a Shadow Hunter book where the the warlock, you know, Magnus was like, "I helped Marie Antoinette, you know, disguise herself yeah. and go out of the city." I'm like, ah, that's more believable. <laughs> I wonder if they got that idea from like Freddie Mercury and uh, Princess oh. Diana. Have you heard about that? 
he like him and his friends helped disguise her and they like snuck her out and she like went to gay bars with them okay that sounds like her (laughs) oh i do like yeah i've definitely looked into and listened to some or watched some different documentaries and stuff because i i wondered if there was anything to the conspiracy theory with that but that's a tough one because yeah yeah it's just sad either way so yeah I okay yeah that's interesting though Freddie Merck I didn't remember that part (laughs) but you seem like really fun (laughs) yeah I read I think I read like a Freddie Mercury like on official biography and then I read like basically his husband's like biography about their life together oh really yeah oh it was pretty cute I didn't know if he got officially married. They didn't, but they did mm-hmm. have wedding rings that they wore Aww. like in private and stuff. Yeah. And when oh, he was cool. like around people, they basically introduced themselves as like husbands. I get just that. Not in public. I get that. Not officially yeah. married, but I'll say my hubby or my spouse or whatever, because like yeah. common law for so long. Okay, last couple theories um inca maya or aztec treasure this piggybacks on the conception ship theory a bit there were so many ships carrying gold and treasure and not only spanish ships but a lot of them were spanish ships plundering from you know south america (laughs) um if this theory in any part happens to be true it would explain some what the amount of coconut fibers that were found underground in the money pit and on smith's cove they had so many oh, coconut okay. fibers i mean obviously they had to have had access to them somehow yeah. um but again so could the spanish have if they were plundering you know the aztecs and stuff so um storms is always a theory blowing ships off course or just that maybe captains were embezzling some of their treasure for themselves before heading back to Europe. <laughs> just doing a little drop off, you know? And then... I mean, I can see somebody going out <laughs> and, like, burying treasure and stuff so that they don't have to declare it or whatever. But I don't see sure. people building such elaborate booby traps and shit. For a couple of pounds of gold if they're a pirate. Wow. Yeah, me neither can't see captain jack sparrow being like construct this (laughs) yeah like i yeah like the amount of time and effort it would have required for somebody to build all of this and to have enough of like a working knowledge that it would work if so if somebody did try to dig a hole and access it that it would flood with water because you built all this shit like that's why um yeah i don't know i love the templar theory if they have so much ties to the freemasons as you hear then that group was really into architecture and you know math and just all the things that seem to make this so like plausible because who else would think of this shit not me that's for certain no (laughs) um so yeah or it was maybe brought by the incas themselves 
As legend has it, Spanish conquistador Francisco Pizarro, quote, was promised a room filled with gold for sparing the life of the Inca king at Atahualpa, but instead decided to have the king garroted on July 26, 1533. Bad move. Yeah. Rumanuahuai. The king's general had been on his way with the gold to deliver it to the conquistador for the ransom when he learned of the murder. He dispatched porters to the, quote, east to uninhabited areas and later returned for more treasures to secret away. And I guess lots of rumors said that it was either dumped in a lake or a cave, but still others think that, think that it may have come north to Nova Scotia. I mean, that's pretty far. <laughs> I know. It seems like a tenuous connection to me, too. It's like, okay, so people had some gold, but you don't have it, you know, like a, a serious link, exactly. <laughs> yeah, anybody that's ever had gold, it ended up yeah yeah you can look at it with a bit of a skeptical eye (laughs) this one i hadn't heard is number nine the treasure of saint andrews i mean i've heard of saint andrews because there's a town in new brunswick called saint andrews by the sea that's a beautiful coastal town but this is apparently talking about scotland so uh quote or rather at, quote, the time of Cromwell, end quote, the wealthy in Scotland were kind of taxed in a way. So I guess they would take a little portion of the rich people's wealth and garnish their wages. Plates, gold, silver, and gems were taken from the English and stored in the cathedral. But by the 1500s, the treasure was nowhere to be found. So that's the whole theory on that one is they like, Robin Hooded from the English to the Scottish, and then the treasure was lost. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> and that's now we're getting into the the theories that are reaching, but they were still listed, so I I wrote them all down in the effort of being thorough. The next was an old pyrite mine. So didn't know what that meant, but. An English explorer named Martin Frobisher from about 1535-ish to 1594 is known to have tried hard to find the fabled Northwest Passage, a kind Mm -hmm. of a sea route, yeah, north of Canada. They were always trying to get the sea route around the world. (laughs) Yeah. Only time people discovered land. (laughs) Um, And the queen instructed him to find some gold, too, to help cover the cost of his voyages she's cheap no and on the second voyage to frobisher bay in 1577 he carried 200 tons of ore home on three ships end quote but later when they went to smelt the ore they noticed it was iron pyrite or aka fool's gold so that was a big wah wah so it wasn't gold at all it was just fool's uh, gold. okay um and Frobisher was also an English privateer and plundered riches from French ships and was later knighted for helping repel the Spanish Armada. So while it's kind of a wild theory, I mean, kind of sounds like he had a bit of experience being sort of a pirate and getting riches and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. 
finally the website came to their miscellaneous theories. So there is a tar kiln, which was a device used to produce tar by melting it out of dead pine trees, which I had heard of only for melting. Okay, I've never heard of that. I mean, they have factories and I, I assume less dangerous things nowadays because this was like, let's boil this stuff that's also explosive and you know could be yeah. so careful but this has been suggested as to a theory for why there might be some holes in the ground i think i do have a picture on kind of what they look like in the ground so i guess i could see why people thought that might explain a deeper than normal hole in the ground but it doesn't explain everything not at all most agree it does not explain the scope and scale of the Oak Island evidence, which was a good way to put it, I thought. <laughs> um, oh, my favorite last theory is, quote unquote, a dry dock. Perhaps they thought it was a pumping station for a pirate dry dock, which would make Oak Island one of the first shipyards in North America, if it were true. And a dry dock is a narrow basin or vessel that can be flooded to allow a load to be floated in, then drained to allow that load to come to rest on a dry flat platform. So used to in construction and maintenance of ships, boats, and submarines and that kind of thing. A little picture okay. of that, but yeah. Yeah, it's just when they can take out the water if they need to, but it does not explain all of the anomalies in this case at all to me um but no. basically <laughs> well they thought the tunnels and shafts apparently could resemble like known dry docks in the west indies but one component they were missing was a windmill windmill structure as pirates were headquartered in the nearby mouth of the lahav river during the night or the 1690s and beyond Oak Island made for a sheltered and feasible option for a shipyard. The supposed windmill would work to pump the lower chamber dry. The vessel would then enter the dry dock and the seaward locks are enclosed. A tunnel is then opened for water to leave the dry dock area and fill the lower chamber. As the windmill continues to pump that water into the upper chamber where it is tunneled back to the sea by gravity. I mean... And then it said, as others have suggested, while this theory is possible, it seems to represent an enormous undertaking when considering the far simpler practice of careening a vessel for maintenance or repairs. I mean, it's just most dry docks wouldn't be covered up and secretive either, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Yeah. And finally in the miscellaneous category as natural formations, which I kind of scoffed at, but it said Nova Scotia, you know, does have sinkholes, to be fair. So I suppose why that's why this made the list of theories on the official website. I guess they can be as deep as 100 feet. These sinkholes, I mean, and as yes, they pointed they out- also build wood. <laughs> And then they also like layers of wood and oh, wait. and crosses and they have a quote blood. unquote explanation for that in this flimsy theory too. Let's see. 
Natural caverns in the bedrock could maybe account for the deep shafts, flood tunnels, and tiers of oak logs. If the forest caved into holes, boom, oak logs. <laughs> I don't know. What? It was literally on yes, the Yes, and as the trees fall, they, like, become logs, like, just cut and sharp. And they perfectly fall over in sync, fitted together. That's right. Like a cabin wow. wall. <laughs> yeah, all um, single file, perfectly spaced. <laughs> Wonderful. Make it make sense. Yes. One uh, story that came along with that description of the natural formations was the time a cave and pit was found when a Mrs. Sophia Sellers oxen fell into a well-like hole in 1870. Later, it was found that it was probably part of an air shaft for the construction of the flood tunnel from Smith's Cove, which was directly below. I mean, sure, it explains. Did she find treasure? <laughs> what? And did Sorry. she find treasure? I don't think so. <laughs> She's yeah. gonna hurt oxen that fell into a hole. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, that's probably then how we find all these other holes. It's like, okay. Animals sure. falling in them all the time. <laughs> no, we talked about that a little last time. People had those dugout houses and in little house in the prairie or a little house on Plum Creek. They had a, a you know, a cow just casually stepped in the top of their house and accidentally put their foot through. <laughs> Usually it was much better upkept, but <laughs> rain or something. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> but that's it. I am done. Wow. That was Until a lot. they find out, <laughs> that's all we know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell your dad we covered it. He should listen to it. It was fun. We gave him a shout out. Shout out. Oh, yeah. Did I officially give a shout out on here or just tell you that I loved our little shout out promo swap with Ye Old Crime? Because we featured their oh, promo yeah. a couple weeks ago and then they featured ours on their recent episode. And I don't know, they just gave us a little shout out where they talked about some of our episodes. And I want yes. to thank them. And they have a fun show too and they do old crime and so it's you know what it would probably be pretty cool because you do older crime you never have to worry about them having people having alive killers or victims or yeah. family members or anything it's actually yeah. brilliant <laughs> yeah anyway thank you for listening we have to tell everybody <laughs> what our episode next week is about Yes, I think we may have mentioned it's going to be poison crimes. Yeah. But I don't know because I've been talking forever. So if I haven't, it's poison crimes. <laughs> yeah, I think we said it in part one. I don't think. But reminder, it'll be next <laughs> week. Poison crimes. Next um, week. I know that's yeah. going to be like two weeks June. from tomorrow. It's like halfway through June, yeah, when that comes out. Holy hey, summer. It's only it's June baby. 2nd right now. <laughs> and the kids don't get out till the end of June. Those torturers keep them in school. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, I got a long weekend now, so I'm going to see you tomorrow, meet the cat, and then I'm going to yes. do nothing. <laughs> Join our Patreon. We have lots of fun things we're going to be posting in the next little bit yeah. that we're going to work on. And yeah. yeah, maybe a little Ask Me Anything. Yeah. A little extra content. It's uh, always a good time. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you. And we'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm. Bye. This has been Castles and Cryptids. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and our YouTube channel. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. On our website, you can listen to all of our episodes as well as view pictures for each of our segments. Check out our Patreon page to view all of our tiers and become a Patreon supporter today to unlock monthly bonus episodes and behind-the-scenes content. We are working on an Ask Us Anything. You can submit questions by social media or by email at castlesencryptids at gmail.com. Do you have a spooky ghost story, a creepy cryptid sighting, or a thrilling true crime tale you would like to share and have us include in a future episode? Send us your listener story by social media or by email please include the name that you would like mentioned. Our music is by Kobe Fair. Our logo and artwork is by Antonio Garcia. Thanks for listening!